0: Members TV and podcasts. I'm Steve Clark and I'm delighted to be joined by the author, photographer, collector, and racer Michael Klebenstein. Michael, it's good to have you with us today. Thank you for having me, Steve. It's a great honor. Thank you. We're here to review your latest book, Superfines, published by Porter Press. Um, this, for me, is a truly unique book packed with unseen automobile images from the 1960s and 70s. But before we talk about the book, Michael, let's talk a little bit about you and your background. Well, I was very fortunate
1: to uh, be involved with classic cars from early on. I mean, from the moment, virtually from the moment, I was holding my first matchbox in my hand. <laughs> I was a collector and I always yeah. collected the old ones, not the new ones. Sure. So um, I think it must have been starting from that day. and. Uh, Till this day, I'm involved in classic cars, and I'm still an advisor for some collectors. And uh, I'm fortunate enough to meet people who are in the business, and uh, uh, that's pretty much my life. It's
0: collector's cars. So where did the inspiration come from to compile this book, Michael? Uh,
1: It happened by accident, but I have to say, all my life, and that's 60 years already, I have been longing for for an opportunity to do a book, a significant book about the beginning of the classic car scene, because uh, I'm I'm uh, I mean I still remember the 1970s, and of course many of you will do, when classic cars uh, were pretty much a thing of uh, the uh, the uh, Queen's Gate News Place in London, all the big collectors. We're meeting there, I remember uh, uh, Danny Margulies, I remember Colin Crabby being there and many other people and uh, there were not so many so I always wanted to show what it was like in the day and those photos gave me a, a big opportunity um, just to make to 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 yes to visualize
0: what all this was about. Just looking at the wonderful photographs that are in the book. Um, they were found in the Tallinn Villa. Uh, and they're very important set of photographs also for the current owners of the cars. Tell us more about how they, you came to find them.
1: Well, I was uh, really fortunate. I tripped over a cardboard box uh, when I was rolling out a Ferrari Dino Monoposto from a little garage in Bergamo. And uh, while we were rolling this car out into the sunshine, I tripped over this box and uh, many, many uh, photos, uh, old prints, and even lots of uh, negatives appeared. And uh, I said to myself, "Oh, this is interesting. I have to keep this in mind." So we rolled the car out. Actually, ran it in Bergamo. It was the um, uh, Hawthorne Collins Berger von trips. Oh well, yeah. In Monoposto. And uh, I pushed Corrado down the hill, he actually started the car in the Bergamo village and it goes bang. <laughs> like it's just incredible noise, and he did a tour, came back and uh, we, we just sat down and uh, I, came, uh, I came back to the photos and said, what, what about them, can I have them? He said, yeah take them, so uh, I looked at them, some were negatives so, oh, this is very important, and I decided to, um, to ask him if there were more. And there were more and more and more. So I had 12 trips to
0: the house and found more and more photos all over. Wow. A very lucky incident. Uh, <laughs> perfect timing, I would guess. Um, tell us more about the gentleman who took the photographs. Roder Coppellini, he was certainly a finder.
1: Um, in the days in the early 60s, nobody seemed to care about vintage classic cars early classic cars mm-hmm. and he was in the same league as Colin Crabby he travelled he travelled everywhere to find a car he went all over south america and uh, of course europe uh, he did everything but he was not only a finder he was a racer too so he restored the cars raced them for a couple of years and then sold them off and it's just
0: amazing what he saw and what he found i mean we're blessed to have those photographs and i guess when you unearth them, it must have been pretty emotional.
1: Very much so, uh, Steve. Uh, the first photo I saw of his uh, two hundred and fifty GTO, which was standing in his garage in the nineteen seventies, I couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. And there were even three photos of, of GTOs, and of course the Alfa Tipo Thirty Three Stradale. He owned two of the whole production run of was it five? He owned three Aston Martin DB Four Zagatos and uh, on and on and on, so I saw all these photos, some were never developed, they were small Minolta prints, Right. Uh, so I, I had to buy the machines to virtually develop the mm-hmm. negatives and see what comes up and even Corrado said, wow, I can't remember finding this but it looks very interesting.
0: Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. I, yeah. I think um, the thing for me is that they're, they're unscripted, they're just raw photographs, aren't they? And, um, you know, as the garage doors were opened, there the cars were, and the, were, that's where the photographs were taken. That's the big, the big thing about this book.
1: There, were, there was no artistic uh, license or artistic purpose behind these photos. They were just made to, to just uh, tell someone else, look, here's this car. What do you think about it? Uh, shall we have it? Uh, do you want to have it? Uh, it's just to, to have a registry Nothing else, but some of these photos are just they are magnificent, they're beautiful, they are
0: in their own own right, they actually tell an incredibly uh, good story. Um, just looking at the actual overall project, Michael, how long did it take you? I mean, it must have been an enormous task to even start to compile and choose these photos. You see, Steve, in
1: the beginning, I thought it was going to be easy, but when I Looked in in detail at some of the, let's say, Ferraris, the early Ferraris 212, 166, or whatever you come up with. They all had body changes very early on. So you can't really tell was it a 166 Inter, or was it a 212, whatever it was, or 330 or whatever. And uh, uh, so it was quite tricky to find out what is. Uh, a line in front of you and I decided to virtually contact every big expert in the field talk to them, mark expert, I mean you have experts for one not only for one brand, for one type of car it, yeah. it took me three and a half years wow. to get to terms with all these photos, uh, but it was done and of course Philip helped a lot uh, many experts helped
0: and they were quite uh, Quite happy to do so. I mean, it is in its own right a uh, spectacular book, not only in content but in uh, actual size. Um, did you ever think of putting it into two volumes?
1: Uh, Steve, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, th- there was more content for at least uh, 200 more pages, but wow. we decided to have only the best only the most significant cars. Of course, there were a lot of uh, Mercedes and, and whatever, American cars even, mm. uh, finds that came along in Argentina, in Montevideo, or in Uruguay, wherever. But we found uh, we should uh, distill it all to sports and race cars, and
0: that's what we did. When um, people buy these, this book, um, you'll find that you've divided into four segments, the cars, the engine, the cockpits and the final bit is the Thomas Somner uh, collection, Um, quite interesting way of dividing it up, did that make it easier? Um, It
1: made it more interesting from my point of view, I mean just showing cars from beginning to end would be a bit boring and I love engines and I love in particular the very extreme race engines of the 1930s, 1950s. Maseratis, Ferraris, Alfa Romeos, the big ones. And I I found so many engine shots, so I I wanted to show everybody, look, that's what an engine looked like in the day. Mm. And uh, even the cockpits, I mean, I'm a great admirer of racing cockpits, and uh, that was the intention to show people, look how used, how simple, how beautiful cockpits were
0: in those days. Mm. Mm. Just looking at the the other parts of it, what was your favorite find and why? Uh, in the book, of
1: course, it was the short wheelbase competition sitting on the rooftop at Monaco station. Yeah. It's, uh, it's quite unbelievable because the, came, the car came from Peru via rail and ship and uh, it ended up being in Monaco and uh, Corrado decided to put it on the rooftop uh, with a machine uh, because he wanted to go sailing in the military name. So he didn't have time to pick it up. So he left it on the rooftop until he came <laughs> back, then <laughs> he took it down. You, you couldn't <laughs> make that up, the... could you, really? Today, it's, it's, got a, it's probably a 16, 17 million car, but wow. in, in, the, in period, uh, nobody really
0: cared. So now the book is done and published, what does it mean to you? Um, it means a
1: lot. Uh, I mean, the photos, obviously, and that's the response I'm having. Um, many people, collectors, owners, even the experts come back and say, this is really interesting. Um, it uh, gives a lot of doubts about the history of cars, but it also confirms a lot of histories. So it's a little bit of both. Why was this car there at the moment of time? What happened to it afterwards? So a, a lot, quite a few historians came back to me and said, do you have more information? and where exactly it was and so on and so forth. So there's a new sort of uh, exchange going on and many people will be surprised what their cars actually looked like yeah. 40, 50
0: years yeah, ago. Yeah, for sure. Um, had you, uh, and a bit of a leading question, you, from what you said there, had you thought about doing a future, where are they now type of uh, book, bringing it back to present owners and what the actual vehicles look like now? Uh, we were shortly
1: thinking about that. That's right, Steve. But as you know, nowadays there might be two or three cars having the, sh- the same chassis number, yeah. and you get into a lot of trouble um, maintaining a position in this game. So we, we really it's not our task to get involved into that. We just show what we, what Corrado Cupolini has found or what was offered to him. And then uh, it's it's up to the historians to find out more about the backgrounds.
0: Mm. Um, just completely change of subject. Um, your favorite motorsport author and book?
1: Um, it's There are several, of course. Uh, I love Philip Porter's E-Types and D-Types books. I mean, it's just magnificent what he has done. I grew, right. grew up with Sedgwick. Who did a magnificent book, um, "Motoring My Way"? So that was always on the shelf for me, and of course, I liked uh, Alan Clark's book, "Backfire." Yeah, uh, there were really nice books, and uh, they were pretty much the beginning of it all for me. Okay.
0: <laughs> so. um, you mentioned in a previous conversation that you'd worked alongside our former director, Alan Wynne. How did that happen?
1: Oh, yes, Alan. He's a, he's a wonderful personality. Um, I was extremely fortunate to find the Multi Union in Wales. Uh, that's been 15 years ago, I think. And uh, it's the second fastest uh, car in Brooklyn and driven by Chris Daniel in the days. It was uh, designed after the W125 Mercedes, but inside it was an Alpha P3. So I was always chasing this car with a friend of mine and uh, we were having a lead into South, South, South Wales. Sorry, my accent. <laughs> and we actually found the multi-union. Wow. Yeah, and that's, that's why I was in touch with Alan. Because I asked him, can this be, is, this, is it the real one and so on and so forth. So of course, it was a complicated story.
0: As I guess most of them are. Um, Michael, yeah. just going back on to the uh, sections of the, the, of the book, the final one with the Thomas Sumner collection. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yes, I have to be very grateful to Mr. Thomas Sumner, because when I started the project, uh, I ran out of money doing a five, uh, almost 430 pages, uh, big book, researching, traveling, Uh, doing everything and the printing was extremely expensive so I asked him can you be of any help Uh, we have to do this book it's so important and he said okay Michael uh, we've been good friends so he helped me in financial terms but also as a good friend so uh, that was uh, very important without him we couldn't have done the book actually
0: it it it, is very difficult I think it's very difficult I mean I've been mesmerized by the book I have to say because each time you turn the page, you think, wow, and you know, you just study it. and it is, I think, a treat for, in fact, interested in automobiles, cars, but also in photography, although they're not stage managed, they are beautiful.
1: But it was very hard to get a storyline in there. I mean, mm. you, you start to get boring after 100 pages of old cars sitting in scrap yards and, and so on and so yeah. forth. So I, I tried to introduce a human side as well, mm. and uh, luckily we found a lot of photos of Corrado Coppolini climbing fences in the yeah, 1960s yeah, and yeah. meeting friends, so you get a feel for what they were like, what they were, you know, how they were behaving and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. how it was, all, how it was but, all done.
0: Yeah, but, you know, you see those cars just left in the scrap yard or broken down side the road, it would You know, you cannot imagine that now, can you, in terms of the value? They didn't value it, I guess, in the way that people do today. I think it still happens, uh,
1: uh, Steve. It's still possible, but of course uh, not like in the 1960s. And the Italians absolutely went crazy for the book because they said that's most of our uh, national heritage. Absolutely
0: absolutely
1: and even all the the um you know the bodybuilders the, Les Grands they're all in there with, yeah. with cars m- most people haven't seen before mm. so in italy it's already book of the year and uh, they, they really love every page of it
0: yeah i can understand why and the mm. other thing you quite rightly say is that you know chassis had different bodies on throughout their lives either through an accident or you know rebodied in the latest style um which is, again is is absolutely fascinating the diversity to which they went to yeah i mean it, it took me at least six months to find
1: out a certain coupe in the book was actually a barquetta and they put a rooftop on it <laughs> a 500 mondial ferrari with a roof So, uh, someone had the great idea to make a coupe. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it took a lot of experts and, and, you know, detailed looking into it to find out what it was and what chassis number it was. So, went on from there.
0: Just remind uh, everyone, the book is available from Porter Press, and of course, other good resellers are available. I have to say that uh, for anyone who's lucky enough to buy this book, is in for an absolute treat. It's a wonderful book that you can pick up, put down, keep going back to it. And I've looked through it so many times, and each time I look through it, I see something different, Michael. And I think that's a testament to what a fantastic book it is.
1: Thank you, Steve. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for your time today, and I wish you every success with the book. Thank you.